Oh, it is a football Saturday. Yeah, a real football Saturday. Pro football Saturday. Pete McCarthy, Terry McBride, and Matt Gajeski. And Matt, yes, I meant uh, full offense on that. Against the college football. Going right at it. Dude, it's okay. As more football is better for me. There's only six college football games, at least of note. There's some FCS Division II stuff. But hey, we're going to throw in the seventh with the NFL. I'm all for it. Let's go. And there should have been eight, but uh, it's kind of the way that it goes uh, with the game being moved to Monday. So we just got the Saturday night primetime Patriots calls. We're breaking down NFL showdown strategy show presented by Jock Market. I'm Pete McCarthy, and we got uh, T Mac, Terry McBride with us as well. I love the combination on this show because you got Terry McBride with a thousand DVDs behind him and Matt Kajeski, who has seen tens of movies in his entire life. It is quite the combo <laughs> here, Terry. Yeah, look, hey, we try and come at things from every possible angle here at Awesome and uh, including pop culture, I guess. So, yeah, I imagine Matt's got more cans of tuna in his house, although I think that's what I'm going to make for lunch later on. So, that's true. That's true, Terry. It's been a while, man. Terry and I used to do the shun- the Sunday live before lock. Yeah. Maybe it was an injury show or something last year, but it was on the, the monster live before lock stream. So it's a little reunion for Terry and myself. That's awesome. Well, it's good to have you back and uh, have you guys together again. And T-Mac and I, we haven't done a show together since like June baseball season. So yeah. I'm excited to be with T-Mac again and Matty G's. All right. So uh, we got that going. We know the chat loves Matty G. I did a show with him a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they're just crowns all through the chat. So you can shower uh, Mac and Jessica with love in the chat. And if you have any questions on the showdown, we might mix them in as well. Of course, give us a like, subscribe so you keep up with all of our shows, our DFS offers, giveaways, and much, much more. And once you do subscribe, hit that notification button. That'll give you alerts when our shows go live. And be sure to check out today's free premium tools and data at Osmo, which are Week 15 NFL Top Stacks, NBA Ownership Rankings, NHL Top Stacks, and UFC Pro Plays. Yeah, there's a lot happening today. I just found out there's a college football game on at this very moment before noon Eastern. So it's all all good things here. Um, all right, so we got the Colts, the Patriots. Real quick rundown of the basics here. The Colts are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, though I love the Patriots in this game. I don't understand the line. That's a whole separate thing. Maybe you guys feel differently. Over under 45-and-a-half, so Vegas not expecting a ton of points. We don't have to worry about the weather, so Mac Jones might drop back to pass more than three times today. That might be a good thing to see. Uh, but in terms of game script, expectations for this game that we kind of walk in with and start to get themselves uh, an idea of what we're dealing with with this game. Um, what do you make, Terry, of the, the line? How does it affect how you're going to build your lineups, depending on what you might see happening in this game? I agree with you on the point spread. I think it's it's probably should be a little, uh, you know, maybe around the other direction. But if we're talking about in terms of the game script, looking at our game script adjusted rush rates and pass rates, we do see it as a bit of a pace up spot for both teams, but not necessarily the paciest game of the weekend. Just a lot of games in the uh, in the 60s in our pace metrics here. So a lot of teams that are in increased pace spots. But if we're looking in terms of the rushing game versus the passing game, both of these teams are they're toward the bottom of our board in terms of the passing volume. They come in uh, indie ranking uh, looks like seventh from the bottom new in new England, two spots above that or three spots above that 43% favored to the, uh, to the ground game for new England, 57% favored to the passing game in this one. So we're projecting it to lean a little bit pass heavy in terms of uh, which one out of you know passing or rushing favored more, but that's a, 
decent amount of rushing in there as well. So I think we can comfortably play the ground game. Of course, there's one star in this game on the ground and really one star in this game, period, that you can kind of look to in a lot of different ways. But he's going to be super popular in Jonathan Taylor. So I want to be mixing it up. I want to be grabbing different skill players. And my focus is really on a lot of the skill players, rotating them through captain spots, through multiplier spots in showdown format. So that's usually what I'm chasing in these in these kind of situations, just some of the lower owned but still high end skill players. Okay, and Maddie G, big picture expectations for this game as we uh, start to break it down. Yeah, like Terry said, both these teams do have a tendency to prefer the run. I think some of those numbers for New England might be skewed based on a couple games they've played outside of Buffalo. They don't really play in the best division in football overall. You know, I mean, anytime you can play the Jets twice, that's definitely going to boost. Why are we going to come rate. at my Jets just because I came at your college football? <laughs> you going to come at my Jets? I didn't know you were a Jets fan, Pete. Uh, I am. I am. I so, not, you you, you got tell me. me you were a Giants fan. I had no idea. So <laughs> my, my apologies. The, the Jets hey, hat is on the mantle. I hope he told, uh, he told you not five minutes ago that he was from Long Island. Of course, he's a Jets fan. Is it? So of I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with like the the areas of New York. Who's a fan of what? Long Island is a Jets thing. Jets. Man. Yeah. Typically, you're gonna get Jets and Mets out that way, and uh, more Giants, Yanks in like the Jersey, you know, Bronx. Yeah, I got the bad the combo. Areas. It's a very bad combo, but it's it's okay. We still we don't we don't have choices in Wisconsin, so it's you gotta you just work with what you got here. But luckily, it's been the Packers for so long. But but anyway, uh, bad. To, bad. to the the DFS big picture things, you would expect Mac Jones to be passing more, and one of these teams likely is going to be forced into negative game script. And the close spread suggests that it could be either one. Right now, if it plays to the spread, you'd think that's more on the New England side, but overall. Two and a half points like this could be either way. And I'm comfortable building lineups with either the pass game, but I really want to be cognizant of game script today and working around some of the really heavily owned pieces, particularly Taylor, I think is going to be a sensitive one. And we'll be talking plenty about Jonathan Taylor. You know, then there's the Bill Belichick factor and there always is the Bill Belichick factor. And I feel like sometimes I don't really sit down and think about the Bill Belichick factor, such as what we saw that Monday night game where, Hey, it's windy and cold. We're going to run the ball uh, 60 times or something. And have Mac Jones go back three times. I I suppose, you know, one of the things we always talk about with Bill Belichick, he's going to try to take away what you do best. Um, Is that a a Bill Belichick factor? Is that something to, to consider walking into this game where it could vary from, you know, maybe what some of the, the projections and numbers might say, just because he doesn't mind having a, a really different kind of game plan that can throw everything off, Terry. So is that a factor? Yes, Bill Belichick is an excellent coach, right? But how do I quantify that in numbers if I'm going to adjust for it in projections? I haven't got a freaking clue. I guess we don't. Know. I, yeah, I don't right? know how to what makes factor him. in the build. Yeah. So I'm we know in the second the, quarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'll know what he's doing. So I'm going to trust Vegas has that kind of factored into the uh, into the line here, and that's kind of how I roll with it. I don't like making big adjustments for stuff like that. And if we're talking about yeah, he likes to take away what you do best. Well, so would every football coach, right? They're all trying to do that. So it's just a matter of whether they're doing it successfully or not. Are they going to come out and just say, hey, we're putting the clamps down on Jonathan Taylor today and make Carson Wentz beat us with the passing game? That could certainly be an approach, and you can angle lineups toward that. But would I dedicate like my whole slate, or would I would I really make huge, huge adjustments to try and focus in on that? Not really, unless I saw something advantageous from the DFS angle in terms of leverage, in terms of uh, how the slate is shaping up, which we'll get into, and it could be there. It's not necessarily saying no to that, but it would be more because of the DFS reasons than the Bill Belichick side. Yeah. Would you see it the same way, Matty G? 
Yeah. For the most part, okay. I, like Terry said, I don't know how to quantify those things. Yeah. I think maybe it's a little easier when it's like one pass catcher, but the Colts have multiple weapons. And I think Michael Pittman could beat you. Obviously Jonathan Taylor could beat you if you ignore him, but I do think there's more than just one pure weapon on that team. And I suppose, um, you know, the other Belichick, Belichick factor might be the Patriots running back situation. Damian Harris is out with a hamstring injury. And, you know, we've seen different running backs over the years. Uh, sometimes that third guy in the depth chart ends up getting some opportunities. So we'll break down the running game situation for the New England Patriots coming up as well. Uh, we do know there are like seven other questionables on the Patriots uh, injured list. Uh, they are all like limited in practice. I think the expectation is you'll see David Andrews out there. You'll see Brandon Bolden and JJ uh, Taylor is on the COVID list. So uh, we'll see if anything changes with him uh, as the day goes on. The other injury that's a factor, the Colts don't have many. Uh, center Ryan Kelly is questionable with a knee illness, personal matter, and did not practice. So uh, that's what we're looking at. As far as these teams' strength, uh, I guess going in, different strengths coming in, uh, New England, a terrific defense, and they're number one in DVOA uh, defensively, sixth against the rushing game, which is obviously the way the Colts want to go at you with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and if we look at that side of the ball, the New England defense, the Indianapolis offense, um, you know, again, we know John, what Jonathan Taylor wants to do, but is there anything in particular, um, you know, strength, weakness that, that stands out to you the way that these two teams match up, Terry? Uh, no, I mean, I'm looking at it purely through the DFS lens at this point of, uh, you know, where we're at here. So do they do they line up uh, in interesting ways in a football sense with a stout defense going up against the probably the best rusher in the league this season? I always find that interesting. I think that changes the dynamics of how a game is going to function. If they can't get that rushing game off the ground, now you do have that situation where they're going to be going through the air. Matt mentioned they've got uh, they've got Pittman. They've got a few weapons in the passing game. I don't know that I just fully trust. Carson Wentz at the quarterback position. He's a decent quarterback, but I don't know that he's that next level kind of a passer. So anytime you can force him into that situation, you know, 2,900 yards on the season, 22 TDs. It's not like I'm saying he's, a, he's not a good quarterback. He's a bad quarterback, anything like that. But I think anytime we can force a Carson Wentz to have to beat you through the air and not rely on a superstar running back, I think that's going to help. And I think that's going to push the, the, uh, the, the game script in the, in that kind of a direction hmm. on the other side of it. If we're talking about does new England get their offensive machine fired up here against in against Indy, could we see them throwing the ball a little bit more than we did last week? Like we've talked about, like we've referred to sure. So maybe this game leans a little bit more toward the passing game and we can see, uh, we can pick off a, a few advantages DFS wise for that. That would be, you know, kind of where I'd be looking to this one. I think is, is that they're going to try to shut down that Taylor, uh, aspect of the game and then it's going to come down to whether or not they can do it really and the slate's going to go one way if taylor's playing well and it's going to go the complete opposite way if taylor's not playing well yeah that's true i think that's a big key in all of this we i think new england you know bill belgic they're going to try to take away the run we'll see if they're able to do it well derrick henry was able to run all over them weeks ago so it's not some guarantee that they're going to be able to shut down jonathan taylor and then the culture playing from behind. We know the Patriots, they could take the ball away. Uh, they've done that plenty. We know Carson Wentz can give it away quite a bit uh, when in those situations, though he's been relatively good with the interceptions this year. So, uh, yes, there, there's definitely some game script to, to keep in mind tonight. Uh, and we'll get into the uh, the Patriots pass the game and how that sets up in a moment. Uh, but first, tell you, look, bowl season is here. For those of you that love college football, you can use promo code bowl season to get full access to our college football DFS projections for 50% for every football game. That's $25 with promo code bowl season, all caps, one word. 
Click the link below to activate this promo now. This offer is valid through Wednesday, December 22nd. Uh, Matt, Patriots passing game. Mac Jones, 16 touchdowns. All right, he didn't throw a whole lot last game against Buffalo. Didn't have to. Um, you know, what do we make of Mac Jones on uh, on this day going up against a Colts defense that has been a lot better over the last, I guess, six to eight weeks now than uh, they started in the opening month? Yeah, he's really cheap. And for a quarterback, that is. I mean, he's, yes. not, he's not like near the minimum or anything. But for a quarterback, he's fairly cheap. There's a positive leverage, there's a positive leverage score on him for our tools. And I, I like to use our top plays tool a lot to kind of break down where I want to play some of these studs. And I know we'll talk about some of the other ones later, but for Mac Jones specifically, positive leverage score is good for him. It means he's under own, but this tool also breaks down where, and right now he is a nine and a half percent of being the top overall play on the entire slate, which is very high. It's in the top four. So there's a really good chance. Mac Jones is the overall score in the captain spot. He's coming in a little bit over owned. And I think that is because when he does throw the ball, you can see him distribute it to a lot of different players. It's not a hyper-concentrated target share. Jacoby Myers is going to lead the team in targets, but you see a lot of these receivers pop up for big games here and there. And in a low-scoring environment like the one we have here, if the touchdowns end up being concentrated between one or two players, there's a very real chance that one of them could outscore Mac Jones. So I kind of like using him in the utility spot. And that's also borne out in our tools where he's a 43% ownership in the utility but his chance of being in the optimal lineup in the utility slot is at 48 and a half percent so right now early in the day that's where i'm leaning on using mac jones but certainly going to be playing him yeah he's not someone who's gonna run the ball in on his own does not have a rushing touchdown 68 rushing yards so he's not gonna pick up points on his own like a patrick mahomes those rushing touchdowns that's how you end up in that captain spot so often uh, unless mac jones is gonna throw you know three touchdowns to three different receivers Uh, i i see exactly what you mean why uh, you might look at him in the utility spot. Um, you know, what do you make of uh, Mac Jones matchup today, T Mac? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that Matt just said, and I kind of attack it through a similar lens. I look at the uh, top showdown plays tool, and we've got it for all three of the major sites: DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo. And I actually drop a little leverage column into the uh, the thing and split. We've only got one leverage column on there. I like to split it with the captain leverage and the util leverage. And Matt hit it on the head. Mac Jones a little bit overowned, and we're talking about a negative 0.3 leverage score in the captain spot. So it's efficient ownership, right? It's not. It's nothing terrible, uh, but he's much p- more positive positively leveraged uh, 5.3 leverage score in the util spot. And that's something that we've seen every uh, primetime showdown slate through the year. I've written up a uh, groups article where I'm recommending a few groups in fantasy cruncher. And I'm looking back as part of that over a two plus year database of winning lineups. They asked me to just go through that, knowing that it's small sample and expecting it that it's small sample, but just look for different trend lines that we can spot each week, you know, week to week based on what the game total is what the, uh, what the point spread is. And by far, the strongest trend that we've seen all season long is that quarterbacks, particularly on DraftKings, where we've got the salary multiplier, much more frequently belong in the flex positions. And it's entirely because of how that salary multiplies out and the impact that that has on the rest of your lineup. Typically, these guys can go out and put up the highest score, but not necessarily be the most optimal captain because of that. So with Mac Jones coming in at a 9,800 that is less expensive than Michael Pittman, that is less expensive than Jonathan Taylor, that might not hold up quite as much this week. It might make some sense to grab some Mac Jones captain shares. But what we do really, really see is that you do almost always want to have a quarterback in your lineup. And most of the time he's going to need to be in that flex spot. 
And, and it does vary from site to site too. I, I've really sure. tried to yeah, study the optimal lineups on uh, DraftKings and Yahoo over the course of the last two years or so, at least for DraftKings, I go back to the beginning of last year. And yet you see like in the captain spot, a receiver could be there about 35% of the time. If you look at the Yahoo single games and it's a lot less games, we're talking about, I think 48 games on the year now, uh, the receiver, a receiver has been in the superstar spot about 15% of the time. It's a huge gap. And Yahoo, you just can't get away from two quarterbacks. You can have two quarterbacks in the optimal lineup about 60% of the time. Uh, so that's where if you're playing on Yahoo, like Mac Jones, I think is a great play where he might not have the same ownership. People might shy away because they saw him throw only three times last game. Uh, maybe they think Belichick doesn't trust him. It really has been the case this year. Uh, and you can get after it a little bit. Where it does get interesting is uh, certainly the receivers for New England because there's so many different ways to go. Uh, Jacoby Myers is the guy who gets all the targets, is the possession receiver, has only found the end zone once in the last decade. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, of course, has really come on for New England. Five touchdowns this year. Nelson Aguilar is the big play threat. Hunter Henry has found the end zone seven times. You got Jonu Smith, of course, uh, another tight end in that mix. Uh, is there a receiver, Matt, that, that you look towards, point towards as your number one? Or are you kind of trying to cover a lot of different bases here? What's your strategy with where Mac Jones goes with the football today? It's honestly pretty hard to figure out New England's passing attack because I think it's changed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, how do you evaluate last week's game, three pass attempts? The week before, they win 36 to 13, absolute slaughtering. The week before that against Atlanta, 25 nothing, absolute slaughtering. Cleveland, 45-7, and Carolina, 24-6. You have to go all the way back to Halloween to see a competitive game, a single-digit margin of victory for the Patriots. That was 27-24 against the Chargers. So in that six-week stretch, five-week stretch, these players aren't even playing full-time roles in the offense. So you get ancillary options like Nikhil Harry or whoever it may be popping up for 25 30% of the snaps, and like guys came and they, they come and go from injuries. So it really clouds the situation. Looking at this through the scope of the entire year, it's hard for me not to roster Jacoby Myers because he's been the number one through most of the season. Now his snapshots dropped in the last couple of weeks, but I think that does coincide with him just blowing teams out. So if this is a game that does rely a little bit more on the pass, he's my preferred option just as the number one for this team and a guy who is a little bit underpriced. I like that our projections bear that out. He has a very positive leverage score. Right now it's the number two le positive leverage score on the entire slate. So I do think this is volatile, but I'm going to tentatively side with Myers. And without Damian Harris being in for New England, I mean, we'll see how they play it, but maybe they, you do see more of the short passing game from New England. That would uh, bear well for Jacoby Myers versus, you know, just pounding the rock over and over and over as we've seen New England do. Uh, Terry, for you, you know, is there a receiver that stands out? Maybe a high upside guy, high ceiling guy here. I mean, I, I would think Nelson Aguilar, uh, always good for a, a lot of air yards uh, when you talk about him. And you do have a game indoors, no weather today. Yeah, absolutely. Aguilar's on the board as that uh, as that deep threat, like you said, thirteen point nine uh, a dot is significantly higher than what we see uh, nine point seven on Myers and eight point nine on uh, Kendrick Bourne. So yeah, he's the guy. If somebody's going to catch a deep ball and maybe break one, it's probably going to be him or you know a deep ball into the end zone. So it, that's where I'm looking for for that kind of a threat. But Myers is definitely my preferred guy. If I'm taking captain shots, it's most commonly going to be with Myers out of this out of this group of receivers. 
Um, Kendrick Bourne, not so much in the captain role. I would take a few shares if I'm building 150 lineups. But looking at the optimal lineup rate for Jacoby Myers, his 11.4% is actually the second most frequently optimal uh, captain that we've got on the board on DK today. And he's coming at positive leverage. So I really like that spot as a captain play. And like we were just talking about, we really want to focus on pass catchers in that captain role on DK, particularly on a day where the the high-end running back, and there's one high-end running back, and then the highest-end wide receiver are both priced higher than the quarterbacks are. I think that really sets this slate up that you want to get to a Jacoby Myers, somebody like that, who's priced down at 7,400 in his base price in that captain role because you're not going to destroy the rest of your lineup shares with that multiplied salary. So I really like the opportunity that he provides in the captain spot, but I would definitely take shares of, uh, of the three primary receivers here. I have no issues going to the tight ends more in flex spots. You don't see the tight ends all that frequently in terms of uh, historical sampling, but they do pop up from time to time. They are viable pass catchers and a guy like Connor Henry, seven TDs on the year could certainly get in the end zone, 50 targets on the season, definitely a decent amount of volume. It's it rivals what Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar have gotten, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I think Henry is certainly a viable target in that passing game as well. So I want shares of all those guys in the flex roles. What I was surprised at looking at optimal lineups over the last two years with DraftKings is how uh, tight ends, if they're going to be optimal, it's really dependent on if the team wins. Whereas with receivers, it's not all that dependent. Uh, I don't know why that would be the difference. I mean, I guess because tight ends are getting their points with touchdowns rather than, you know, 10 catches, uh, 120 yards. But, um, you know, if you're going to take a tight end at the top spot, and you have to keep in mind, like, you, you really need that team to win. It's like 1% of uh, losing tight ends. 1% of the time of all lineups, it's a losing tight end in that superstar spot on DraftKings. Just uh, kind of an oddity to throw out where it's like 5% if you're talking about the winning uh, tight ends in that spot. Uh, yeah, no, it makes sense. Like you said, I mean, it's okay. it's so it's such a touchdown focused position when we talk about tight end for DFS, unless we're talking about one of these super heavy volume guys, a, a Waller, a Kelsey, somebody like yeah. that, who's essentially a receiver, you know. So, yeah, a guy like Hunter Henry, I think he's going to have to get in the end zone here. But the target volume is, like I said, comparable to some of the wide receivers on this team. So you can at least look at him that way. How about uh, the Colts passing game, Matt? Carson Wentz. Uh, his numbers on the season aren't like terribly different than Mac Jones. Uh, 22 touchdowns to 16. Wentz is thrown for 226 yards per game versus Jones, 220. Uh, the difference is Wentz can run it a little bit, though, just one rushing touchdown on the year. Um, we know Jonathan Taylor is the focus for Indianapolis, but how playable does Carson Wentz become on a day like today? Is I suppose most people would say the top quarterback on the board here. Yeah, I think Carson Wentz is still a really good play. He's underpriced compared to where we normally find quarterbacks. And again, I think that's just because we have two teams that really want to run the ball. And New England's been the perfect game script for it for nearly two months now. And similar, Carson Wentz, he's a player that can easily be pushed in this situation. We know Indy's a slight favor, but you wouldn't be surprised at all to see New England get up in this game. And then the Colts have to throw the ball. I do think there are some advantages to the to the Indianapolis passing attack too. And I know New England has a really good pass coverage unit, but their pass rush isn't fantastic. They basically have Judon and they have to manufacture a lot of production that comes from their pass rush. But the Colts have one of the best offensive lines in football. And really for the first time all year, this unit's fully healthy, assuming there's nothing going on with Ryan Kelly. I believe the DNP on Thursday was because he had a personal matter. He was a full practice before then. So as long as that's all cleared up, For one of the first times all year, you have a fully healthy Colts offensive line, which is widely considered to be 
one of it, if not like a top five unit in the league. So even if that doesn't mean Jonathan Taylor has the best game, perhaps they can protect Carson Wentz and manufacture some touches there. So I'm interested in Carson Wentz, particularly if he's under own right now, our tools do suggest that he is. And uh, T-Mac, if you want to add on to Wentz, go ahead, or we can start looking at uh, these Colts receivers, which is really kind of one guy and, and everybody else. Yeah, I agree with everything Matt just said. I think it's the the better of the two passing games in terms of having a, a little bit more talent on the uh, in, in the targets that he's that he's looking at here. And he's underpriced and underowned across the board. Again, I would look to him a little bit more frequently in the flex spots. But I do think that given the fact that, like I said before, uh, that both quarterbacks are priced below some of the primary skill players in this one, they become more viable in the DraftKings captain role for that as well. So I keep that in mind and definitely would have a, a fair share probably above the field uh in the captain role for both quarterbacks they, we've got them projected for under 10 percent ownership each so it's pretty easy to get above the field in the captain role and get a little different uh in a in a weird way normally that's not a differentiator kind of a play but it's something that could help uh differentiate some lineups here and then i'll have a pretty good share of them in uh, in the util spot here so definitely yeah Wentz is on the board for me uh, receivers T-Mac uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I mean this is the the A number one no doubt about that 99 targets uh, next highest is Zach Pascal. T.Y. Hilton's been hurt a lot of the year uh, but he is back in the mix Ashton Doolin has had at least one big game this year you got a couple of viable tight ends uh, but it, it really starts with Pittman yeah Pittman I mean what can you say 8.91 yards per target on the season he's gotten in the end zone five times 10.4 a dot is a nice solid uh, depth of target um, outstripping uh, Zach Pascal at 8.6, outstripping the uh, various tight ends. He's behind slightly T.Y. Hilton, but I think we know where the uh, where the talent margin on that one is. So definitely Pittman with a bullet in terms of these receivers. But I would definitely go to uh, various shares of Pascal. I would grab a few shares of Hilton, certainly focus on some of the tight ends. So it's not exclusively the Michael Pittman show and nothing else. And you don't want to play it that way for DFS purposes because 33% of the field is going to be on him. He's coming up 34.4% optimal in the flex role, which gives him a little bit of edge in terms of leverage. So he's a high scoring building block in lineups. He's definitely somebody I want to get to and get to aggressively, but I don't want to make it the be all end all of how I attack this Colts passing game, um, both across a bunch of lineups or within one lineup. Manny G, what do you make of this, uh, this Colts receiving core? Yeah, I agree. And I think, some of the pass catchers coming back healthy ty in particular could siphon away a few targets from this team we haven't really seen too much of it yet because they've also played in a lot of positive game script at least down the stretch too they're a team that started out really rough and then they kind of got it together as their team got a little healthier that coincided with ty returning so if this game does get into negative game script how are the targets distributed is a question i have and then with Michael Pittman, you always run the risk of the Colts getting up by a score or two in this game and then completely abandoning the pass. So like Terry said, I want to play him cautiously and be very cognizant of where he is in my lineups. Uh, in those particular lineups, I'm focusing on the Colts passing attack and then maybe the New England rushing attack, thinking about game script from that angle. But if I'm playing a lot of the Jonathan Taylor, I probably don't want Pittman in the same lineup, at least for some of them. There are, there are constructions, obviously, where you can, you can build any way you want, but for the most part. And let's get into these running games because it's such a big key of what's happening tonight. We talk about the passive games and we'll put it all together at the end of uh, what you can mix with what, um, you know, I do want to remind you, of course, uh, check out odds shopper for all your player props, You're mixing that in tonight. Uh, 
You want to pick the game, see where you get the best odds. You get all supposed projections right there in screen. It's an amazing tool uh, to utilize. So check out oddsshopper.com. Jonathan Taylor, we know how good he's been, right? 1,348 yards rushing already this season, 16 touchdowns. He is to some degree, I feel game script dependent because while he has over 300 receiving yards over the game, you know, it's Naeem Hines that has really been the pass catcher out of the backfield uh, for Indianapolis. And in some of those kinds of situations, uh, even if the numbers are a little bit behind Jonathan Taylor overall, just kind of something to keep in mind there. But, you know, what is the focus on Jonathan Taylor, uh, Matt, when you look at, you know, the leverage scores, what people are doing with their lineups with Jonathan Taylor? And of course, you know, his price becomes a, a huge factor in this. He's not coming cheap at this point as uh, an MVP candidate uh, now in the season. With Jonathan Taylor, similar to like when you have Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, some of these elite studs on the field, I think the question is not where or not if you want to play him or not, but where do you play him? And he's a little bit more game script dependent than some of the stud quarterbacks, but the way he's been scoring points, he's very much entered that kind of must play area. And looking at our tools right now, he's a little bit over-owned in the captain spot compared to his chance of being the optimal captain. Right now we have him 23% owned in the captain spot, but 15 and a half percent optimal lineup. And conversely, he's under-owned in the flex. And I think a lot of that comes down to if Indianapolis does get into severe negative game script, one, it means they're not scoring as many touchdowns, but two, he's not Alvin Kamara. He's not going to go out there and catch eight balls on most occasions. So that is going to affect his production. So I am more likely to play Jonathan Taylor in the flex right now, but I'm going to be playing him all over the place. Yeah, I suppose if he just runs all over New England, you know, he's the captain and uh, you're looking at the Colts, you know, dominating time of possession, having that kind of game. Um, so he certainly can't end up in that captain spot. But if so many people are playing for that kind of game, you know, again, you start getting into that the negative leverage. And of course, you can check out our tools at, at Osimo to um, really help lock that down as the ownership uh, projections shift throughout the day. Um, you know, T-Mac, what do you make of Jonathan Taylor? Is he someone that I mean, like Matt said, you're not going to lock him into the, the top spot here, but are you making sure you have Jonathan Taylor in just about all of your lineups? How is it shaking out for you? Yeah, I would definitely want to be around the field, I would say, at worst in terms of the util ownership, and we've got the field projected at 55% owns. Uh, and Taylor's a perfect example of what we've been talking about with that captain spot, right? Matt mentioned 15.5% uh, optimal in the captain role and over-owned at that market, 23.2%. People might look at, well, 44% of the time you guys are saying he's going to be the top scorer. How does that make sense that he wouldn't be the most optimal captain most of the time? Half the lineups, he's, in half the simulations, he's scoring the most points. When we factor in the fact that he's... 2,400 more than any other player in his base price at 12.8 compared to 10.4 for Michael Pittman. That has a major impact on what we can do with the rest of those spots if we put him in that salary multiplier spot. So you need him to do significantly more than anybody else on the field to gain all that ground back that you're sacrificing in terms of salary and what you can put, what else you can put in there. And then you've got to get non-zero performances from some of the dogs that you put into those flex spots. So it just doesn't work quite as well for me in the captain spot. I'm focused on Taylor firmly in the util spot. I'll take some shares of him in the captain. Don't get me wrong, but I would be under the field. He's going to be in a quarter of the field's lineups in the captain spot. I would be you know, 10% somewhere around there, maybe. What gets you to say Naeem Hines? Is there a certain game script or maybe a captain that you like to pair him with? Uh, would you be afraid with the few lineups you have Jonathan Taylor, 
to have Naeem Hines in that lineup as well, thinking that Indianapolis just could be pounding the rock all day against New England? Or um, is he not someone that you, you focus in on a whole lot here? I think that can be an interesting build for showdowns when you've got guys who kind of split roles in terms of, all right, you're the guy who carries the ball on the ground. I'm the guy who comes in on third down, catches the ball, comes in on, uh, you know, those key uh, little swing out routes. But Taylor does get some targets in this offense. It's not like he's untargeted. So looking back over the past few weeks, uh, five targets in week 12, three targets in week 11, 10 targets in week 10, uh, with Hines getting 4-0, over the last four games. So, there's some split volume in terms of the passing game, but yeah, I would be fine with working Hines into some shares. It's not a situation where I'm really looking to put Hines in my captain spot, but as a cheap flex play and a guy that not a lot of people are necessarily going to be making that decision to play them in the same lineup together. I think you can get away with something there. He's efficiently owned 17.5% optimal, 17.5% owned in the flex spot. The captain optimal, he comes up 2.3% of the time versus 2.1% ownership. So he's very efficiently owned for, the minor play that he is so you don't gain a ton of ground on the field if he does connect for you unless you're going over the top on shares and i don't know that i want to go over the top but it's a functional building block for 2800 i think he's certainly fine to work into you know a handful of lineups here and there where you need that salary savings want to differentiate something how about uh, elsewhere in this running game beyond Jonathan Taylor, Matt? Uh, you know, where's the Michael Burton here for the indianapolis <laughs> Colts? we of course all had in our uh, chiefs lineups the other night I can assure you, I, I did not. And it was not the best <laughs> shirt on slate for me on Thursday. But I think Naheem Hines makes sense in this range. It, I would love to see how ownership shakes out throughout the day. I, I think there's some news we're waiting on with New England just to see like who's active, who's inactive for that team. Because you might get like a J.J. Taylor or something down there, depending on the tight end situation for the Colts. You know, like the, Mo Ali Cox is down there. How much ownership is he getting? Because in lineups, you're going to have to play at least one of these guys, one of these cheap guys, if not two, in order to jam in the studs at the top. So right now, without knowing all the pieces of information, I think he's somewhat cash viable because the role is consistent and all this depends on the price. He's very, very cheap. But again, in tournaments, I think you want to be very cognizant of how you're building with him. How are the rest of the lineups that have Naheem Hines looking? Because there's other viable punt plays and if you can create unique constructions across the board with Naheem Hines and Brandon Bolden and these other really cheap guys, I think that's how you want to play it. Because Terry's point, he is efficiently owned, but what do the rest of the lineups look like? Hmm. And, and, and New England's running game is interesting as well. And you start to get into Brandon Bolden a little bit. He's been really the pass catcher out of the backfield for New England this year, over 300 receiving yards versus 169 rushing yards. Uh, I think we expect... Ramondre Stevenson to grab that Damian Harris role and see a number of carries. Uh, there was a game, what was it, two weeks ago, Harris was out and Stevenson saw a, a ton of volume in that game, but it is the Patriots. So uh, it can vary a little bit, especially with that running game, uh, as we've seen over the years with uh, what, remember the Logan Gray game? Was that in Indianapolis? Like, I don't know, four or five years ago now. But, um, you know, Matty G, what do you make of the New England's running game? I'll just uh, send it to you generally and let you go. Yeah, we, we've gotten to see a little bit of it. Typically, they're using a committee unless they have to. But to your point, and I think you broke this down very well, it's going to be Ramondre in that banger role, in the end zone role, like the guy playing on the goal line. Ramondre can catch passes a little bit, so I, I don't think they necessarily split it right down the middle. I think you have Bolden coming in on clear pass catching downs, like third downs, hurry up, stuff like that. But Ramondre was a great pass catcher in college, and I think he could kind of luck his way into some targets, you know, 
the situation where initially they're showing run, but then they check into a pass. I, I wouldn't think you're too worried about leaving Ramondre out there. And I think he's been explosive when he's touched the ball. He's a player that I do want to get to. And there's captain builds that you can definitely use today where Ramondre is your captain. Then maybe you're building the Colts on the other side, their passing attack. That's maybe where you use Pittman and Wentz and some of these other guys. Ramondre does still have a positive leverage score for us. And it, it seems like every player we talk about, this is coming in the utility, which it is again for Ramondre. But I do think there's some configurations where you can use him as the captain. So we can get to him a little bit when you look at, um, you know, again, this, uh, this Patriots running game. The other game, the other guy I want to throw out at you, Matt, is uh, if JJ Taylor's on the COVID list, I've read that it's possible that New England could uh, promote Divino Zigbo from the uh, practice squad. He's a running back in Nebraska. I, I don't know if you have any familiarity with him. I'm kind of throwing it out at you because I know you, you watch a lot of college football. <laughs> is there um, yeah, just only because it's the Patriots, and I feel like this is a team that will elevate someone from the practice squad and let him play a, a, a somewhat major role. Um, you know, a, anything that you know about him, this, that, the other thing. He's a good size adjusted athlete, but he just bounced around a lot of practice squads since he's entered the league. So I think that the talent's questionable at this point. He hasn't really been around the Patriots roster for very long. So if he's active, I think it's very much in like an emergency case situation. And, you know, if Ramondre were to go down, I think they would probably use Bolden over him in sort yeah. of base sets. But I'm not entirely sure on that. To your point, we've seen Bill Belichick do a bunch of crazy things. I'm just not sure how much trust he has in Ogzigbo at this point. He hasn't been around very long. I think you make a great point with that. And that, that's good information that he hasn't been, uh, you know, on that practice squad all season or anything like that. So, um, you know, like Ramondre fumbles and, and we could see him get yanked from the game for a while. We've seen that over the years with, uh, with we, Bill we're Belichick. starting to lose. We're starting to lose so many bodies. Like, I don't think he can start pulling Ramondre. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know, man. I just seen the way he operates sometimes. Uh, that is team, true. <laughs> that Terry, is true. Uh, what do you make of this New England running game? And, um, you know, is there a, a top play for you with this group tonight? You definitely asked the Ozigbo question to the right guy because, man, I wouldn't have been good on that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, for me, yeah, I'm focused in on uh, some Ramondre shares. I think Matt's right. I think we can get away with it at captain. We're seeing him come in 11.8% top scorer, but 9.3% uh, captain optimal and only 11% ownership. So when we're talking about the negative leverage at negative 1.7, that's more efficient ownership, right? I'm not scared of the negative 1.7. 11%, if I want to muscle up and go to 20% on him, that's easy enough to double up the field's ownership, even if it's coming up technically a little bit negatively leveraged. And we're talking about the third most frequently optimal captain play on the board. He's cheap for what is ostensibly, as best we can guess, the feature running back for this offense. At 8200 is the base price on DK. That's pretty inexpensive. If you want to look at Bolden at 1800 that's very inexpensive. And I think he works as a captain play as well, just by virtue of being so cheap. We're getting him 8.2% optimal in the captain spot, one of the more positively leveraged captain plays as well. But you need him to do things on the field to deliver on that. That's the, that's the risk you're taking. It's a tournament kind of a dart throw. But I think what he buys you by putting in that super cheap price into the captain spot can't really be ignored entirely in, in roster construction. So at 6% ownership, I would easily try and get to 12, 15, somewhere around there on uh, Bolden shares if I'm building out 150 lineups in the captain spot. Maybe well, I like that idea. Call that 10. I, I like the idea with Bolden because if you're playing Bolden, right, New England's probably behind because they're passing the ball and that's where he could be efficient. Look, they might decide to utilize the short passing game a lot here anyway with Damian Harris being out. We know Belichick, I mean, it could be a totally different game plan from week to week. Um, and then 
that allows you to get to Jonathan Taylor to mm-hmm. both quarterbacks, perhaps. I mean, there are some expensive players here that that do jive with Brandon Bolden having himself uh, a day through the air. Yeah, and you're not looking in that situation and saying, all right, Bolden's going to be the highest scoring performer on the field, period, in a vacuum. That's saying, all right, Jonathan Taylor's going to put up a monster score. Pittman's going to put up a monster score. I can get one of the two quarterbacks and a couple other good skill players in mm-hmm. here. And that's how I do it. So based on those guys building a solid foundation, he doesn't have to stand that tall at the very top of it to be the most optimal, effective captain. It's about what he buys you in the other spots, but he can't give you a zero. He's got to do something out there, right? No, but he allows you to get to a a lot of different guys in those utility spots. So, uh, no, that that's certainly an interesting play. Uh, and again, it kind of game script dependent on how you see this whole thing unfolding uh, tonight. Uh, defenses, these are both two really good defenses. So I, I would think both the Patriots as well as the Colts are going to be playable, uh, viable plays tonight. Uh, what do you make of you know each of these defenses, Matt? I think in low scoring game environments like the one we have here, you can get to the defenses a little more if there is a defensive score or maybe one of them just racks up multiple sacks or an interception or a fumble that is more impactful than on a slate where you have a total at 50 or North of 50. So I'm interested, both offensive lines are pretty good. So that makes me a little worrisome. Both these teams tend to favor the run. So you could run into a script where one of the defenses gets a lot of opportunities at sacks and fumbles and things like that. And the other one really doesn't if they're, you know, facing a lot of rushing attempts. So I'm not sure if I want to play them both in a lot of lineups, but I do think you can get to either one. There's positives and negatives for both. Carson Wentz has been a little more turnover prone historically. He's also going to push the ball a little bit more than Mac Jones, who's preferred to throw the ball underneath. But then again, Mac Jones isn't mobile whatsoever. So he's not really going to navigate the pocket and there's potential for more sacks there. I think you can poke holes in both. However, I'm just going to get probably a little bit more than the field and be comfortable with it. All right, and I'm just seeing we have a question in the chat. If we could talk about FanDuel a little bit. And what we're going to do towards the end is build a lineup for uh, DK, for FanDuel, for Yahoo. So you know, we'll give you an idea of a, a couple of different ways to go there at the end. So we will you know, focus on, on, on everything, every platform uh, for tonight's game. Uh, Terry, defenses tonight? Yeah, I'll take shares of defenses. It's never a real focus for me. We're seeing the Patriots negatively leveraged in the flex role at a negative 4.9, one of the uglier negative leverage marks on the board, actually. And that's with only a 10% ownership share. So they're just not coming up all that frequently optimal. The Colts are coming up a little bit more frequently optimal because they're a thousand less in the flex position, but they're also efficiently owned by the field. So for me, those are functional pieces where it's just, it's going to make something else work. I agree with everything Matt said about the situation, about the game script. We find them a little bit more in our sampling in this type of a game, but they're kind of just a a plug and play kind of a piece for me, a mix and match play where it's just, all right, in this lineup, I use the Colts in that one. I used uh, Naeem Hines in the flex spot in this one. I used uh, Nick Folk. It's just a rotational kind of mix and match piece for me, not something I'm really focusing on. And through the sampling that I've seen uh, in flex roles, it's viable uh, a, a little bit of the time to get to kickers, to get to defenses, but they're not the primary plays. They're not the ones that come up the most frequently in the optimal lineup. So I'm really, really focusing mostly on skill players. And then these are, these are price-based pieces for me. How about uh, kickers? Is that worth spending much time on here? We don't have Brandon Staley coaching, so you know it's possible they get utilized. 
Yeah, for me, kickers come down kind of similarly, but you do get a, a decent little uh, leverage score on these guys here. So they're viable. They're, they're, they can be thrown into lineups. I prefer them greatly in the flex roles. We don't see kickers win in captain spots all that often. I know people like to get to it because you feel all cool and creative if uh, they've made a few kicks and you're in the third quarter, you're uh, you're doing well with a kicker captain, and then it goes it all goes away. So I don't see uh, winners for uh, kicker captains all that frequently. But yeah, if you get them in the flex spots here at positive leverage, you're, you're okay with it. And again, it's, it's just kind of a price-based mix and match piece. Maddie G worth uh, throwing the kickers at you. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Get to them a little bit more than the field, but not too much. And it, you're not dealing with any weather or anything in this game played inside. So it should be an optimal environment for them to be used. You're not worried about anything like that. So when they appear comfortable with it, but definitely not trying to make it stand on kickers in my lineups. No, that, that won't be uh, be the stand. Stand is a, a, a good place to go here. Matty G, if you were to make one stand in, uh, in today's game, is there, is there a stand that you're making? That so you're there's, a cu- there's a couple, I think, that are going to change throughout the day. If the slate starts right now, I'm certainly going to be over the field on both Brandon Bolden and Ramondre. But I think as there's more coverage with this game, like Damian Harris was ruled out yesterday, I believe, if not, mm-hmm. who's on Friday. So he's kind of late and active. We had a, haven't had a chance to really talk about him all week. So if this ownership comes up and then we see Ramondre and Bolden being a little more efficiently owned, a guy I want to get to is Jacoby Myers, just with all the recency bias on New England being a very run heavy team, all the positive game script they've been over the last six weeks. If they get down in this game, you could see more volume, and he's just a little bit cheaper than where we saw him at the beginning of the year. So I'll condition that with Jacoby Myers as kind of the consolation off Bolden and Ramondre. Okay. Uh, T-Mac, uh, is there a, a stand you'd be making if the game was kicking off uh, a minute from now? So Jacoby's probably my favorite answer for that question, both in the captain spot and the util spot. I just think I like the positive leverage. I like everything about the opportunity there. And I love the price at the 7,400 base. Um, But if I'm going to plant a flag, why not? Since I made such a firm case for Brandon Bolden in the captain spot, maybe not in the captain spot, but Brandon Bolden at 1800 in general, having relevance for this slate. 10 leverage score in the flex role, 2.2 leverage score in the uh, in the captain role, the highest leverage in uh, in the flex, second highest leverage on the board in the captain spot. Let's let's take a, a swing at Brandon Bolden here, and I'll make that my bold call here. I like that. I I, I could see him being a, a big factor today. Uh, all right, so let, let's start building some lineups and uh, and messing around a, a little bit here. And uh, this is something that uh, T Mac does all the time on the Sunday night showdown. Again, ready for Sunday night football and putting together those lineups, be sure to be checking out uh, T-Mac on the Osmo DFS channel and uh, get yourself uh, the latest info and all built up for uh, some Sunday night football. Hopefully it's better than Bears Packers this week. I forget exactly what we're looking at uh, on Sunday night, but we got some Saturday night action tonight. Um, what do you say? We'll start with FanDuel, uh, T-Mac. You know, what, what's the, uh, how do you usually go about this? What's, uh, what's the, the, the best way to go here? Usually our old pal Emac is driving that show and he picks these at random, which one he wants to start on. And then he just fires away and throws them to us. So I'm happy to dive in on FanDuel as the first one. If you want to. They, I'm, I'll play the Emac role. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, right on. So we can jump over to the FanDuel board and uh, I'll, I'll steal the first pick here uh, since you uh, kind of set me up that way. And FanDuel, geez, I'm just looking at some of these prices because I've been on the DK board this entire time. 
I'm going to take a swing with Michael Pittman in the captain role, the MVP spot here. He's a little bit priced down as compared to the quarterbacks and Jonathan Taylor. Taylor's priced at 17.5 on the FanDuel slate. Mac Jones, 13,000. Carson Wentz, 14,000. We can get Pittman in that spot with no salary multiplier at 11.5. Leaves us a 12,000 average across the four flex spots. All right, I'll give uh, Manny G. You want to continue building together this lineup here? So we've got Pittman in. Yeah, I built on FanDuel already this morning, so I just want to comment on Terry's pick. It's a little loose in in terms of salary over on FanDuel, so I think using Pittman as a captain is going to give you even greater leverage than on a site like DraftKings. When there's less salary restrictions, you can play Jonathan Taylor, Wentz, Mac Jones, and your lineups look a little better than on DraftKings. So using Pittman, I think we're already gaining a lot of leverage on the field just by using him in that spot. So from here, I think you can build in a little chalk, but if Pittman is in your lineup, I think maybe you could assume that New England scored and they're having to favor the pass game with that said, excuse me, the run game. So I'll throw in Ramondre, assuming that they score some on the ground. All right, so we know uh, you like Ramondre tonight. I really don't play a lot of FanDuel, so I'm going uh, I'm gonna to stay out of this one, but I'll, I'll jump back in for DraftKings and Yahoo. Uh, so T-Mac, you can jump in next with uh, how you like this playing out. Yeah, and what Matt said there is is very apt about the uh, ability to flex things in terms of uh, the salary and still have a decent looking lineup through a lot of those you know mid rangey skill player type of guys. So you can fit more of these uh, pieces together. So since I went Pittman in the captain spot, I'm going to just play some super chalky approach here, and I'm going to grab a little correlation. I'm going to put Mr. Carson Wentz into our lineup, leaving us with eleven two five across the last two positions on the average. So we can go a lot of different directions with these next two picks and be perfectly fine here. Makes sense to me. Who you got, Matty G? The one thing we can't do is play Jonathan Taylor right now because we end up at the stone minimum. So this is going to be very, very leveraged because we're fading the highest zone piece on the board. We're not playing one of the highest zone captains. This might be your Millie Maker style lineup, but because we've we've already gotten so much leverage, I'm going to put Mac Jones in. A safer play, a quarterback. He's going to come with some ownership. But based on what we've done in our lineup, it doesn't matter. I love that pick, and that leaves the exact right amount to put the guy that we've been talking about throughout the show, Jacoby Myers, into that lineup and spend all our salary. So that seems like the easy play. Is this lineup duped if we put into a Millie Maker? It probably is, but it might not be duped you know, 350 times like some of the other ones, uh, kind of like what Matt was hitting at there. So I think we do have a lot of leverage and a lot of upside in this lineup, and it's pretty absurd that you can put this together on this site, to be honest. Yeah, if you're going for a unique, I think you probably just do Nelson Aguilar or a tight end. Makes sense. Yeah. Do you have a preference on the tight end? Would you go Hunter Henry? In this case, probably, because we have so much leverage. Like, what does it matter if we just eat the higher owned Henry. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Do we like that lineup? You know, fading Jonathan Taylor. I feel like it, it kind of happened accidentally. Uh, is that something that, you know, is, is viable? You, you dig that lineup? Large field tournament lineup to me, completely fine with it in large field. Yep. That's exactly where I play it. All right. So uh, let's go to DraftKings next. And uh, I'll, I'll throw out the, the first. I'll say, based on what I'm seeing right now, I like the New England passing game. You get positive leverage in the captain spot on Jacoby Myers. I'll consider Brandon Bolden a, a receiver for our purposes today. Nelson Aguilar being in that mix as well. But uh, I'll throw Jacoby Myers at the top of the board. That's our captain. Yeah, I think that was all of our favorite captain for DK in, uh, in terms of everything we've talked about. Matt, you want to make the next pick? Yeah, let's do Mac Jones for the correlation. 
I like that. That's easy. That leaves us 72-75 across the last uh, four positions here. Jump across the other, other side of the board. Since we didn't take them on the other site, and since I'm curious to see what it does to the overall cost of this lineup and what the construction ends up looking like, I'm going to grab Jonathan Taylor here. And see, that brings us all the way down to a $5,400 average spend across the rest of these positions. So just, I'm curious to see where this lineup ends, what this lineup ends up looking like now. Oh, I like that. Okay, so we, we got, uh, so we got Jacoby Myers, we got Mac Jones, and we're throwing Jonathan Taylor in there. So we're looking at probably the Colts winning this game and uh, New England's trying to battle its way from, uh, from by. Maybe I'll just throw Brandon Bolden in there. We'll go right. Right back to that. Like we that. all we all seem to like that play with this and particular that, lineup. And that gets our average salary spend back up a little bit for the last two spots. That boosts us back up to a seventy-two hundred dollar average spend because he's only eighteen hundred bucks, like we talked about. So I like that call. Matty, you're up. Let's go with with Ramondre. Play both backs. Now we're talking. Now we're building an interesting looking lineup. We've got. We're doing oh, large, we're field, of, right? Like I assume. Yeah, we're yeah, doing large. yeah, yeah. Okay. Which I win a million here. We, we I was going to say, if we're, if we're building cash, I will. I will do <laughs> no, something no. different. But okay. Yeah, everybody needs to know that these are tournament lineups that we're building. Yeah, don't put these in cash games for sure. Um, I like that Ramondre call. That's an interesting differentiator. Putting those two back to back in here. We're heavily weighted into the Patriots side of this one now, so I think maybe it makes sense. Look across the other <laughs> side of the board and grab in another uh, Colts player. I got sixty three hundred to spend. I can get me T.Y., that can get me Pascal. Those are probably the guys I want. I, I think I'll take a shot on T.Y. here. What the hell? 5800 bucks. it probably is our oh, – I should actually look at the tool when I uh, am making that decision. Let me jump over the board. This is how we should be making that decision. 18.4% um, optimal. He's efficiently owned 18.7% um, versus – who else was I considering? Pascal, not really uh, – much difference there. Pascal negatively leveraged, a little bit less owned in terms of the overall, but we're talking about two percentage points uh, that I'm not really going to sweat and negative leverage, 14.3% optimal. I like the TY pick there. And that leaves $500 on the board in a already very strangely built lineup. Hmm. Is there something that we could do to this lineup to improve it that anybody can spot that maybe we can spend that 500 bucks a little bit differently? I think one of the Colts pass catchers is probably pretty good here. I don't really see anything else that we could really do that I like a ton. I don't know. What about yeah. what about you, Pete? Well, I'm trying to watch the clock a little bit here. I want to try to squeeze in a Yahoo lineup. So, so then we can move on. Yeah, that's. It. I think it's a viable lineup for tournaments. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with this lineup, right? And I'm comfortable yeah. leaving 500 bucks on the table. I don't really sweat that that much. See, that's that's the ultimate host answer. You know, I'm just the traffic cop moving everything around here. Yeah, move things uh, along. <laughs> so to, to make it a little different, Yahoo, uh, the favorite running back is very often the superstar there. So I'm just going to go Jonathan Taylor, and then we'll we'll build it a little different than the other two. That makes a ton of sense. I'm just jumping over to Yahoo to uh, try and pull this up real quick so that Same. I can actually uh, see the pricing. Well, I'll tell but you, the quarterback, again, it's like 60% of the time, both quarterbacks are in the optimal. It, it, yeah, I like getting. I can have many games without at least one quarterback. Like almost none, maybe none this year. Salary is really loose. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think you sure. play. I think you play both quarterbacks pretty, pretty easily here. All right, so we're going uh, off the top, Taylor, and then uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we start with that as the build, right? And we'll just see what else we can put in here. So let's go, Taylor, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones, 
And then we've got uh, we've yeah, got two we spots left? left with eleven dollars a spot. Brandon, so do we have two eleven dollars? Fits so nicely. Give me like a Mo Alley Cox or like some tight end to get a touchdown tonight. I'll I'll I throw that dart. Like you can literally do the build you just said with Brandon Bolden and T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, that's that's wow. okay. that's pretty ideal. And but I mean, like it's going to be yeah, there's, in there's some other stuff there. Yeah, that that'll definitely be played, right? That if people make those first three clicks, they're just going to do that to see what else they can play, kind of like what we were just saying. But the well, idea that you, you can then change that up to John Smith, Nelson Aguilar at those prices, if you wanted to take that weird dart throw on to kill Harry, like you mentioned earlier in the show, there's oh, Jack Jack Doyle, Moali Cox are both ten dollars. Zach Pascal's ten dollars. I'll, I'll say this about Yahoo: uh, keep an eye on the NFL fifty thousand dollars Saturday baller. Typically. These are 150 max. It's 10 max today. So uh, look, it's 5,650 entries, but it's only 10 max. So, you know, maybe the dupes aren't as much of a concern. You know how it, I, it's got to change the way that you approach it to some degree, right? I mean, we'll see if it, I think it'll fill at 5,700, but uh, that's, that's a lot different than we usually see for the top Yahoo spot in these single game contests. Yeah, that's really interesting. To me, that means the chalkiest of the chalk is going to be duped more. And then there's going to be opportunity around just taking one step off the optimal construction paths and getting into a totally different range of lineups that people aren't going to be building. So I really like that. I might, I'm going to play this thing. Matt, do you see, do you see that kind of similar? Yeah, hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with you. All right. So uh, there you go. Kind of breaking it down. DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, single game. I love the showdowns. I'll get into this. You get all the randomness and you get some touchdown that gets scored right off the bat that, uh, you know, it's Michael Burton. And you're like, oh, does that matter? Does anyone have Michael Burton? You're scrolling through. Okay. 0.28% owned or whatever that was the other night. Uh, but yeah, oh, we should get some randomness, some fun. We got Bill Belichick messing around with this whole thing, but it's uh, it's a good game. Nonetheless, Patriots, Colts uh, going at it tonight on Thursday night football, or Thursday night football, Saturday night football, uh, I guess. As as well right now. Uh, of course, uh, give us a like, subscribe, keep up on all of our shows here at Osmo DFS and uh, hit that notification button. So you get alerts when our shows go live, throw a little thumbs up. We appreciate that. Uh, if you're able to make that happen, we still have a ton of content coming up uh, your way. Prize picks live NFL show with Aton and Emac is coming up next. We've got MMA live uh, before lock at 1.30 Eastern. And then Terry will be back with the NFL Saturday night showdown at 7.35 Eastern time. And then at that point, we'll know who's playing, who's not, have those inactives and some of those uh, more interesting wrinkles as we get a little closer to kickoff. But uh, T-Mac, Matty G, pleasure as always, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was good to get the boys back together. I haven't seen you guys in a while, but it was a blast. And thanks everyone for watching. I appreciate everybody. Good luck. And uh, I'll see everybody for this game again later on tonight. Good luck, guys.